0: tell you what, uh, what we're talking about today. It's part two of a series we started last week. Uh, the series is called Storms Sent to Shake, because sometimes the enemy will send you a storm into your life, and the purpose is to shake your faith, to make you wonder if God exists, make you wonder if prayer works, Make you wonder if the whole church is just a big joke. Um, That's the purpose. That's what hell's primary goal is when it sends you a storm. Now, um, I talked about this last week. I don't have time to go into it again. Not every storm or every problem is from hell. right? If you have a red light, don't sit there and curse the devil. Somebody's got to get green. My goodness. Right? Have you ever met somebody like that? The devil, get behind me! No, it's a it's a red light. Chill. Right? Um, you know it's the devil. I'm going into last week's content just to catch some of you up. You know the devil is in the problem when it begins to seep into other areas of your life. Like a flood. The enemy comes in like a flood. When a flood comes into somebody's home, it doesn't just stay in their kitchen it goes into the bedroom, goes into the foyer, it goes. It just crawls into other spaces. You know the enemy is in it when it's not just your finances, it begins to affect your marriage, and then a marriage begins to affect your kids, and then all of a sudden you go to work and you're just like, nobody wants to talk to you at work. It starts going into other areas of your life. Uh, also, you know it's the enemy when you can't find a way through in your mind. See, a lot of us have problems, all of us have problems, I have problems, you have problems, But a lot of our problems, we can figure out in our head how we're going to fix it, right? We can, it may take a day, it may take a couple hours, it may take a couple weeks, but mentally we can see a way, we can see a path on how we're going to fix that problem. When you can't see a way, when you, when you don't see a way out of this, that's hell's signature. You're being overwhelmed uh, there is a spiritual attack on your life and the only way to overcome that is to call on a God that's bigger than Satan. So there's, these are indications that it's not just a bad day. It's bigger than just a bad day. And so that's the purpose of this series. But what I want to talk about this afternoon or this morning is 28 seasons. Over the course of your life, you are going to go through 28 different seasons now some of those seasons you'll go through more than once other seasons you'll only go through once um but everybody experiences these 28 different seasons and the bible outlines outlines them in ecclesiastes chapter 3 i'm just going to cruise through them and while i'm going through them you can say i've been through that one i've been through that one and then you can go oh shoot i haven't been through that one yet that one's going to come um Uh, But just rest assured, one of the seasons is dying and you only have to go through that once. Let me just get right into it. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant. And again, we're not talking about a vegetable garden, okay? Some of these are, are metaphorical. A time to plant, a time to pluck up that which has been planted, a time to kill. Yes, there is a time to kill. God killed many people in aggressive ways. Sometimes the righteous thing to do is to kill. To kill the time, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to get. A time to lose. A time to keep. A time to cast away. A time to rend. A time to sow. A time to keep silent. A time to speak. A time to love a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. These are different seasons. There's 28 different seasons. Now, there's going to be some seasons that you'll go through and you will back up and you will say to yourself, I am so sorry, God. I just messed up royally. I just said something stupid stupid I just did something stupid and sometimes we don't even say I'm so sorry God because we're thinking in our head I'm not going to say sorry because I always do it anyway so why even say sorry am I talking to anybody okay nobody here I guess I'm just talking to me only I have ever said that Uh, are you with me say yes all right look at the person next to you and say is that your real hair color go ahead All right, I know what you're thinking. I got no room to talk, and that's fine. It's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. Uh, There's moments where you go through seasons and you're just almost disgusted with yourself. But I, I want to encourage you with that. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, it says, The godly fall seven times, but get back up. A characteristic of a godly person is that you fall a lot. A characteristic of an NBA basketball player is they're really tall. A characteristic of a wrestler is they're really strong. A characteristic of a doctor is they know biology. A characteristic of a godly person is they mess up a lot. The only difference between an ungodly person messing up and a godly person messing up is the godly person backs up and says, I'm sorry, and then picks up where they left off. It's the only difference. The Bible says that you're going to mess up a lot. Before you were ever born, it says godly people are going to mess up a lot. So when you go through these 28 different seasons and you have these moments where you're like, God, I am so sorry, or I am such an idiot. Or here's another one. If you look at somebody in your family and you're like, and you call yourself godly? You're a Christian? Yes, they are just like David, Abraham, Moses, Peter, David, John, all of them. Find one person in the Bible, Jesus doesn't count, find one person in the Bible that didn't mess up royally. One of the greatest people in the Bible is a guy by the name of Elijah, and he battled depression and he was suicidal. In Psalms 103, God speaks about, I think it's verse 13, let me check, 103, uh, 14, 103, 14, it says that he knows that you are just dust. He looks at you and goes, "I can't expect too much. I made you out of the dust of the ground. And so uh, I-, I want you to know that there's 28 different seasons that you're going to go through. Um, and let me say that Satan's agenda, why he sends trouble, why he wants you to go through trouble, is very different from the agenda that God has. Both both God and Satan want you to go through tough seasons. They want you to. Um, Both of them are with you in a tough season. And they're pulling and cheering for different reasons. God's reason, in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says this, that jesus said just like the father sent me i'm sending you god sent his son on assignment to bless people to heal people there was a divine assignment in his life he's saying just like god sent me i'm sending you and so when he sends you in when you were born when you were born There was an assignment. That's why in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 1, it says, Before you were born, He knew you. While you were in your mother's womb, He called your name. There is an assignment on your life. And when you go through trouble, you become more like Christ. It's in your app. The verse is in your app. You become more like Christ. It's actually in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. You become more like him. Have you ever seen somebody that was an arrogant jerk and then they go through a really tough season and then you get around them and you're like, man, they're not nearly as arrogant as they used to be. Are you with me? Say yes. It's, it, it's, whoa. It, you meet them a few years later and it's like, wow. God does that with you. He's making you like him him and every time you go through a tough season that's why in um uh let me see here um in romans chapter 3 verse 5 it says rejoice in it because as you're going through it you're producing character you don't wake up with character you produce character you become more and more like him um when you're a, a child you don't have to learn to lie it comes natural You don't have to learn to smart off and have a smart mouth. It comes natural. Nobody has to teach you. But you have to learn to be godly. Even Jesus grew in stature and in holiness as a child. You grow in stature. At a certain point, your stature stops going up and starts going out, but that's another story. You you grow in stature and in holiness. Every season, God is making you more like Him. Why? Why? Because he's going to use you to do the same things that he did here. That's why we cannot get intoxicated with success that is temporal. Because as we become intoxicated with success, worldly success, the vision that he has for you begins to blur. Uh, That was just a sidebar. Here's Satan's desire. Satan's desire is to shake your faith. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, he wants to shake your by troubles. He wants to shake your faith through troubles. He wants to shake you. He wants you to say, church isn't real, God isn't real, prayer isn't real. If it was real, then why didn't this happen? and Why didn't that happen? And while we're saying that, Satan is on the sidelines going... That's a whole point. Because we will either climb or we will slide when troubles come. We will either climb towards God or we'll just throw ourselves down. Just say this whole thing is a farce. These are the 28 different seasons. We are in, life is not a picnic. It's warfare. It's warfare. He's after everything that you have that's good. But there's a purpose for it. And number two, I'd like to say this. That the greatest warriors have the deepest wounds. People that do the most have usually been hurt the most. You know, every man I know loves movies like Gladiator, uh, The Patriot, or Braveheart. If you're a man and you don't like those movies... I'll pray for you. Uh, The reason why we like that is because there's something in us that we just respect somebody that fights. I'm going to tell you, when we get to heaven, those of us who have fought the most will have bruises and scars and chinks in our armor for believing in things and fighting for things that we can't even see. And while all that is happening, I just want to assure you that though you cannot see angels doing what they do and God doing what He does, Satan can. Satan has the ability to see God, hear you, and send an angel to bless you. And he can watch an angel coming down from heaven, coming down to your house and coming up to you and bless you. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Aren't angels ministering spirits sent to bless the heirs of salvation? And when Satan sees an angel coming down to bless you, he intercepts the angel, fights the angel in the air. And oftentimes there is time that is, it's, there's warfare above our heads. How do I know this? I'm not just making it up because it sounds fun. It's in the Bible. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel looked up and saw an angel. Now, if you've ever wanted to know what an angel looks like, today's the day to come to church because Daniel wrote what the angel looked like and I'm going to read it to you. This is Daniel chapter 10, verse 4 in the New Living Translation. On April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. This is the angel of God. When the Bible says that Jesus is the Lord of heaven's armies, this is what His soldiers look like. These are the people that are sent to bless you. This is the world that you're invited into when you pray. James 4a, it says, when you draw close to me, I draw close to you. This is the world that you are participating in. And that's why I say don't get intoxicated with temporal success when this whole world is so divine and so powerful and it's inviting you into it and participate with it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says that God has invited you to be in partnership with Jesus Christ, to partner. While all this is happening, I just want you to know: while you're praying for something, while you're waiting for something, while you're believing God for something, there is a warfare going on above your head that you know nothing about. Don't get weary and well doing. Stay the course. Stay the course. Come on, somebody, help me out. Stay the course. Stay the course. I know it's hard. It's, not, it's, it's, it's incredibly hard. But point number three is there's strength available. There's supernatural strength available. Uh, I've known in the 23rd Psalm, there's a verse in that Psalm that I've heard about most of my life. Many of you have heard about it as well. Um, But it says that he prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. I believe it's verse 8 in that psalm. He prepares a table. Now, when that thought came to my mind, I put it in my notes, and then I just backed up and I said, God, help me unpack that. Like, what exactly does that mean? And then all of a sudden, the word prepared jumped off the page at me, that, that he prepared this table. Now, why do we eat? The reason why we eat is we need to be replenished and we need to be strengthened. And so he prepared a table. He prepared to strengthen you and to replenish you. Now, when I hear that word prepared, it tells me that he knew that this battle was coming. He knew that you were going to, whatever season of life you are in right now, He knew it was coming. And He knew you would be tired about right now. He knew you would be discouraged about right now. He knew about right now, many of you, you just want to get in your car and drive till you run out of road and then just keep driving into the water. Have you ever been there? Say yes. The rest of you that didn't say yes, you're lying on Mother's Day. You you want to get in your car and just leave. You want to just go somewhere. You want to get in a hot air balloon and... Am I talking to anyone? Say yes. I want to get out of here. Where do you want to go? Anywhere, but not here. Just want to get out. He knew you would be here around right now. He said, you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You need to be replenished. You need to be strengthened. And here's the thing. You can go to sleep for 12 hours and wake up exhausted. How many of you have ever come home from a vacation and need a vacation from your vacation? Are you with me? You go back to work and it's just like, I can't believe I'm going back to work and I'm exhausted. What happens? See, there's certain rest. There's a certain kind of replenishment that the pillow will never give you. It's not in the Bible, but it's good theology. It, it won't give it to you. He has prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. But here's the deal: You're a grown adult. Nobody can make you do anything. Nobody can make you sit down at any table and eat. You are not four years old anymore. I know it's Mother's Day, but you, your mama used to say, "You're gonna eat it, or you're not gonna get up. <laughs> you're gonna eat it, or you're not. You're gonna go to bed starving." How many moms would just leave that plate on the table for 5 hours and "I'm all all hungry." Go, go it's sitting right there. That's good mama Ming. I don't know if Mama Ming is a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. That's good momming. Congratulations, Christian. Just got his master's degree. Now, this is what I, this is why I want to say congratulations to him. Christian has Stand up, Christian. I'm gonna embarrass him. How old are your kids? Uh, 13, and 10. Thirteen and ten. Thirteen and ten works a full time job. He's married. Uh, works. He he was my neighbor up until two weeks ago. Um, but um, it, you can sit down now. <laughs> um, so I know for a fact he works like fifty five hours a week. And he decided he wanted to get his master's 9 years ago, but with that kind of lifestyle, you don't just go to school for 12 hours a week and then study for another 12 hours. So he decided I'm going to take a class every semester, one class, 3 credits, and just marched for 9 years. And he just graduated master's degree. I want you to know I honor you. He's had his bachelor's for a long time, and he's got a great job and does really, really well in life, but he wanted his master's and just went for it, and just one step at a time, one class at a time, one step at a time, one class at a time. How many people know the law of process cannot be eluded? Are you with me? You cannot elude that. Now I just burnt five minutes. You owe me a coffee. Uh, <laughs> what am I talking about now? Yeah, supernatural strength is available. (laughs) This table that he prepares for you, you're a grown adult. Only you can sit down and spend time with him. I have sat down with him many times and put an empty chair in front of me and talked to the empty chair believing that he's sitting right there because I needed something to look at. Many times I've turned off my radio and put my cell phone underneath the car and talked to an empty seat because I needed something to look at. 90% of the time when I'm praying, I have to have my eyes closed because i got to visualize Him looking at me. The battle of faith is not easy, and nobody can make you pray, but you will never be replenished and you will never be strengthened in the midst of your enemies, in the midst of your trouble, until you tell yourself, set down the sword, pick up the fork, and sit at the table. You can't hold a sword and a fork at the same time. You cannot fight and be replenished at the same time. But if you don't replenish yourself, you're that sharpened axe that has become dull that we have all heard about ever since we were a kid. And we keep on chopping and trying and chopping and trying. And we see no movement in our family. We see no movement in our health. We see no movement in our relationships. We see no movement in our finances. And then we just live a life staying frustrated because we're not fighting our boss. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting a demon that wants to kill, steal, and destroy every single part of your life. And the only way you can overcome that is you have to call on something that can see the devil. I know if you could punch the devil in the nose, you would. Actually, you're Texans. You'd probably shoot them. But (laughs) you can't see them. you got to call on someone who can see them. In the presence of your enemies. Now, here's the wonderful thing. The enemy isn't going away. The problem isn't going away. But you're getting stronger and stronger by the minute. What I love is that you go through troubles, I go through troubles, and in the middle of us going through troubles, people are getting healed and miracles are happening. Ever since November, healings and miracles have been happening. Uh, Usually what I do is I pick somebody that got healed the week before and have them give a testimony because I know it builds your faith. The people that were supposed to give their testimony texted me this morning and said, hey, um, our son is sick and we don't want to leave him with my mother-in-law for three services as they give their testimony every single service. Can we do it another time? I said, yes. Um, I'm going to share their testimony and then you can hear it from from themselves um, whenever they come up here. But what I love about their testimony is how authentic and honest they are. And, And they said to me, we sit in the chair Sunday after Sunday. We see people get healed, and we're just—we can't help it. We just say, "I don't know if this is real." And they told me that when they get in the car, they're talking to each other. They—they, they, the husband and the wife, they say to each other, um, "It's Catalina and uh, uh, Federico." They say to each other, "I hope it's real, but I—I I want it to be real." but I don't know if it's real. Now hear these testimonies because a lot of times when somebody gets healed, they'll feel a warmth on their body. They'll feel a tingling on their body or uh, they'll get cold because someone supernatural is touching them. Sometimes there's no feeling at all. It just goes away. Um, But they were telling each other in the car. It's like we want it to be real, but like. And it's hard to hear testimonies week after week because if it's not real, that's a lot of liars. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's a lot of liars. Like we get one liar, but you keep bringing liars in here. Where are you finding all these liars? And so I know I understand it's a wrestling match. And let me just tell you. The fact that you're doubting doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Doubt, the presence of doubt, does not mean you don't have the presence of faith. Just you wanting to believe means you have faith. And so this young man has had back problems for a long time. I didn't pray for him in here. He didn't get healed in here. But on the way home, they were talking to each other. They're like, We're not sure if this is real, but if it's not real, let's just pray that it'll start being real. (laughs) Right? They got home, and as he's walking through the front door of his house, he says, Catalina, my back is on fire. It's warm. And all of a sudden, he starts moving his background for the first time in years. He's completely healed, hadn't had any pain since. So he texts me this morning. He's like, I really want to give my testimony, but I can't do it today. I'm like, no problem. And the culture that we're trying to establish here is if you've been healed, you steal God's glory if you don't tell your testimony. You're stealing it. The Bible says don't touch the glory of God. If you don't give your testimony, you are touching His glory. You're not letting Him get His glory. If I stand up here as the pastor and say, well, you know, people are getting healed because I'm pretty amazing. I'm touching His glory. I can get struck down like that. So I can't touch His glory and you can't touch His glory. If He does something in our life, we have got to celebrate it. We've got to tell everybody we know about it. There's power in that testimony. And so... I want to say that if you get healed at any point we want to know about it um would you stand to your feet for me please typically what I do is that we bring the prayer partners down and they pray for healing but because I'm past time and many of you have Mother's Day reservations I want to respect all that and so um I'm going to let you guys go quickly um Actually, I just changed my mind. Uh, I'm still going to let you go quickly, but prayer partners, we we can't do what we do unless you're down here. And so I need you guys to come down. Um, Here's the thing the Bible says that every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Some of you are battling health issues, some of you are financial issues, some of you, it's an issue in your marriage, an issue at work, an issue with your children. I don't care what it is, and God can fix your problem as easy as it is for you to breathe. Okay? I want you to come down here and take the hand of a prayer partner and let them pray with you. I'm not amazing and they're not amazing, but the presence of God is powerfully amazing. Can we give them a standing ovation for that? So this is what I want to pray for. Uh, I'm going to just pray corporately over healing. And it just amazes me on how many times a corporate prayer, angels just start moving and the power of God just starts moving and people get healed. Um, But I want to, um, I'm going to do that. And then when I say amen, if you want a prayer partner to pray for you, then come down here and have a prayer partner pray for you. But this is what I want to pray for me personally. I just feel compelled to pray for people that if you are 100% sure that there is a problem with your spine, not 99% sure, a doctor told you, a guy in a white coat told you or showed you an x-ray of your spine, I want to pray for you personally. And that means I want you to come right down here in this front row. Father, in the name of Jesus, will you extend your hand with healing power and begin to heal people in this room right now in the name of Jesus. No hype, no emotion, no yelling. We're just going to depend on your power. Cancer, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you have cancer in your body, I command it in Jesus' name to be completely gone. In Jesus' name. I pray in the name of Jesus for anyone here who has an issue of blood in any way. In the name of Jesus, complete healing. I pray in the name of Jesus if there's anyone on this seven-acre property, children or adults, that has autism, autism I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ be gone, be made whole. In the name of Jesus, if there's any learning disorders, if there's a problem with kidneys, heart issues, mind issues, emotional issues, in the name of Jesus, extend your healing hand now. Do mighty miracles and wonders in this place for your glory, and we know that you're doing it right now as we speak because we know he's doing a mighty thing, a precious thing. We can't see it with our eyes, but our eyes of faith believe that he is. Let's go ahead and say thank you right now. Put your hands together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.